Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, y'all? This is Classified. This is Mocha Only. This is Sean Price. Yeah, Ghostface Killer. This is Quake Matthews. What's up, my brother Ali? Fight Diggy, Tribe Called Quest. Eloquent, man. What up, Styles Peter Ghost. This is Ab Soul. This is K.O. And you listening to the Come Up Show, where that feel-good music lives. Hey. This is the show that you come up on, yeah. This is the spot that you come up strong, yeah. Hey, welcome to the Come Up Show podcast. My name is Chetto, host and founder of the Come Up Show. And our guest today is a special exception because if you guys listen to the Come Up Show, you know we usually focus on musicians, artists, producers, and all that good stuff on our podcast. He goes by the name of Marlon Palmer, a.k.a. That Dude McFly. And he's an actor, comedian, and YouTuber with over 21 million views on his YouTube channel and over 150,000 subscribers. He tells me today in our podcast of his upbringing, of his mischievous things that he's did when he was growing up, why he dislikes LeBron James, and advice he has for you if you're currently unhappy with your job, and so much more. Let's get into it. Please introduce yourself. Marlon Palmer, a.k.a. That Dude McFly. And who are you, Marlon Palmer? <laughs> I'm a comedian, actor, uh, YouTuber. Yeah, and usually when I'm when I'm asking this question to artists, I'm like, who are you? They're like, yo, I'm, you know, I'm... Father, I'm a brother, I'm a son. No, 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 no. <laughs> Do they get deep like that? Uh, they're like, no, I'm, they're like, they'd be like, yo, I'm this person. I'm from Saga City all day. I'm this person. I'm from B-Town. I'm this shout person downtown. I'm this person. Squad. Shout out 406 You already know what it is. Like one of those. Is, is there a borough <laughs> that you represent? Where is Where, where are you from? Because Torontonians, funny enough, are very particular about yeah, what they, they represent. They get, they get real specific. Um, I was born, at, like I was all over the place. I was born around like Vaughn Road in Oakwood. And then I moved from there to Chichaway. Moved from Chichaway to the hell is Chichaway? Trethaway is what is what it, how it's spelled. Okay. Everybody calls it Chichaway. Okay. <laughs> uh, I moved from there to Malvern. Lived in Malvern for a bit. And then moved from there to Maple during like high school time. Like right before I went to high school, I moved to Maple. And that's mm-hmm. where I like spent the majority of my life in Maple until like I was probably like 1920s when I moved mm-hmm. downtown. And what's, what was the like upbringing like in your family household? Do you have brothers, sisters, mom? Yeah, I got six brothers, four sisters. Oh, so, geez. yeah. <laughs> and where are you? Six brothers and four sisters? So I ten ch- yeah. Yeah. kids, offspring. And yeah. where do you fit in in the ten? I'm right in the middle. I'm like number seven, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm either number seven or number five. I can't even remember anymore. It's like mostly stepbrothers and stepsisters because I'm Jamaican. My dad spread a seed. He does what he do. <laughs> and yeah, growing up, it was like I lived with my little brother, my little sister, my three older brothers. And then, yeah, we all lived up in Vaughn area. It was dope, man. It was it was nice to, to divvy up the chores. I, I can't imagine being an only child and having to do everything. So I was grateful for that. And the funny, where do you fit in in terms of your treatment by your mom or whatever or your offspring? I, I am the, the troublemaker. I, <laughs> everybody else in my family is like the... Uh, good person in school or like the architect like i'm the black sheep definitely in my family i just do what i want well the things that do you remember when you did when you were a young kid and that maybe you got your ass moved for and you thought that this is the biggest thing oh my god i was notorious for losing keys i don't know if you ever like dealt with losing the house key Mm -hmm. but they act like someone 
is gonna find the key and just automatically know where you live. And so like my mom would get so I, I probably lost like eight or nine house keys in my life. The biggest ass whooping I ever got was when I got suspended for porn. Uh, that was my <laughs> Please tell me about that. <laughs> that was my first time getting suspended. I got suspended for porn. Uh, <laughs> like what you brought porn like a magazine to school? It was grade uh, seven. Oh my god. Grade eight. One and two, and... <laughs> so where did you get the porn from? We were on the computer, and uh, it was lunchtime. One of my boys basically went on... He went on the porn, because I, I didn't know how to find it. I didn't even know this shit existed. I thought I saw heaven when I saw this. Is this a school library, or...? No, it's just in our classroom. Like, we could eat lunch in our classes or whatever, and they have, like, the parent volunteers that would walk around and make sure everybody's okay. Mm-hmm. And so one of the parent volunteers must have walked into the room... And one of the kids, as a joke, thought it would be funny to be like, oh, my God, look. Like, he was totally joking, but she actually turned back around and started walking over towards us. So now a couple of the the boys, like, they they book it or whatever, and I'm there, like, closing, pressing X. But back then, the pop-up technology wasn't really, you know, there. (laughs) So, like, when you close one porn back in the day, You'd get like 15 more hard dicks just popping up, and it's just, it was not, it was not good. I just ended up putting my hand on the power button. But by this time she got to the computer, like she saw it for about a second and a half. And that, that was what got me. Got and you were me. the only one I got booked. I was the, no, two other guys got booked. We did, that was the last day before March break. Okay, so she did, she, she must have snitched after school or something, because we were fine the whole day. Went to March break, came back. I'm coming off the bus feeling good. <laughs> my principal's just waiting at the bus stop. She's like, Marlon, can you come to my office, please? I'm like, oh, she snitched. I was so, I was so cheesed. But then, um, but yeah, we went to the office. She like brought us up to the classroom. Just, <laughs> I'll never forget this. She told everyone, put your heads down on the desk. Everyone put their heads down, right? I'm peeking, obviously, because this is about me. So she asked about the two other guys that got in trouble with me. She's like, "Anybody seen Ahmed on the on the pornography on the inappropriate sites? Raise your hand." About four or five people raised their hand. Oh my god! They said, "Anybody seen Marcus on the inappropriate sites? Raise your hand." Oh, same like four or five people. Anybody seen Marlon? Damn near three quarters of the class, okay, has their hands up. My boys have their hands up. I'm like, is this real life right now? Like, everyone's diving me out. Got suspended, went home. And you know when you're in trouble, you just clean everything. Like, I I was Cinderella that day. Like, I cleaned it spotless. And my mom came home. She was, like, impressed. She's like, oh, you finally did, you know, your stuff without me telling you or whatever. I'm like, yeah, mom, see, I'm doing my homework. I'm at the table with my homework laid out. Like, I've never done that. Trying to be an angel, basically. She must have knew something that was up. She didn't say anything to me because they called my dad. So she didn't even know what was happening. My dad comes home later than my mom. So he comes home around like 9, 9.30, right? <laughs> he comes in the house and he just stares at me and puts down his stuff. And he's like, what happened to school today? And I'm just like, my mom turns her head quick and just starts staring at me. I'm just like, nothing. <laughs> like, I, I, I wasn't going to admit it, you know what I mean? And, he's, and she's like, what do you mean? What's going on? And I, I'm just like, nothing. Nothing happened. He's like, and my dad, like, 
basically told her what happened. My mom picked up a cup, almost flung it at my head. My dad's like, no, 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 don't worry, I'm gonna deal with it. <laughs> Brought me upstairs and gave me the biggest ass open of a lifetime. Like, it was deadly. <laughs> what was the technique of your dad's ass? Is oh, it a belt? Straight Is it- belt, straight belt, but he, he didn't let me keep my pants on this time. This was, uh, this was a straight leather to flesh encounter. Like, there was nothing in between. Like, you know when you can sometimes prepare and like put on like five shorts? It's like, no chance, no chance. It was bad. It was bad. I felt like I was in a Roots movie. Like, it was just, it was just bad, man. It wasn't good at all. You know, so the funny thing is I also got with my, my, my pops as well, belt and all that. And I felt like um, looking back on it, it made me a better person. It made me a better person. And, you know, especially living here in Canada where everything's PC nowadays and there's, you know, there's obviously abuse. That's yeah. the, there's abuse, but there's also disciplining, making sure your child doesn't get crazy. Do you believe in disciplining? Definitely. I'm going to whoop my kid's ass. Yes, <laughs> definitely. Because if, if my parents didn't instill the fear of God in me, like, I would have I done whatever I wanted. And, like, I have that personality where I, I would do whatever I want. So, if, like, if I wasn't terrified of my parents, I would have done so many bad things. Like, I would have been in a different place right now. <laughs> different place. That's hilarious. So, where do you feel like you get your sense of humor from? Like, where where were you, where you watch? My mom, my mom is a clown. Like, my mom's hilarious. She's always trying to bust jokes. Especially like, I used to see her. I remember one time I was like probably ten or eleven years old, and she was in college at the time, and she brought me to one of her classes. And I'm sitting there, and my mom's just cracking joke after joke, and like my everyone's laughing. I'm like, my mom's not funny. Like, what's going on right now? Everyone's laughing, and like she would like whisper jokes to like the, her crew of friends or whatever. And I'm just like, I am my mom. Like, this is insane. I didn't even know she was like this, like in a setting like this. But it was just, it was funny to see. I think I get it from her, and like just watching so much TV growing mm-hmm. up. Like, I watched every comedy sitcom that ever existed mm-hmm. i watched a lot so that it definitely inspired me any favorite characters on tv fresh prince will smith easily that's like the it, he became a part of me like i i do things like him and people say it all the time and i don't realize because i just think that that's me like i'm just doing me but apparently i'm, I'm a mirrored image sometimes is there any people in your life that remind you of carlton of carlton I feel my like everybody Josh. knows somebody that's like my reminds them of Carlton. Yeah, my boy Josh definitely reminds me of Carlton just because he's so like, he's such a klutz. Like, everything that can go wrong to him goes wrong to him. The same thing happens to Carlton. So, like, definitely my boy Josh. So, you mentioned your mom went to college and did you go to post secondary school? Tell me about that. Yeah, I went for like half a semester and said, fuck this. And then went back three years later for half a semester and said, fuck this. It was just, it's just not for me. I just, I. We were in school for so long. <laughs> it was like, I didn't see a point, especially with like the way I wanted, the path that I wanted to take. Mm-hmm. It just didn't make any sense. Like, I didn't see how going to school and acting in like post-secondary was going to get me into a movie. I just didn't see that that made sense. Mm-hmm. And I knew you can get an agent no matter what. Like, all you needed... What I thought back then was that you needed money to get an agent. So that's why I didn't get one for so long. It turns out, like, just a bunch of agencies that are trying to scam me the entire time. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I, just, I didn't think I wasn't mature enough or responsible enough for post-secondary school yet. Like I was just still all in my head and like mm-hmm. playing around. Plus, I had just moved out, so it was like this newfound freedom to go and do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. It was just a lot. It was, <laughs> it was a lot. lot. It was a lot to take in. Yeah, for sure. So, like, you knew from early you wanted to be. Was that your dream, an actor? Is that like a movie star, like a Will Smith, like an yeah. Independence Day type of thing? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've I've been wanting. To, I've have like an essay. I think. I I wrote in like grade three or something like that like saying yeah like I've known I wanted to like I knew I wanted attention I loved attention so like I knew the best way to get attention was to become famous I'm like that famous people get the most attention like I wanted to do sports basketball everybody had their hoop dreams or whatever but the more realistic thing for me that I saw was comedy and acting because like it was so easy for me to make people laugh even teachers like by the end of the school year, you know, you're, like, getting everybody to sign or whatever. Like, teachers would ask me for my autograph. Like, I don't know if they're humoring me, but, like, it felt good. And I'm like, this is dope. Like, this is what I'm going to do. Like, it was, yeah, it was dope. So you really knew, so were you active in, like, say, high school and, like, uh, in plays and, like, auditoriums, auditions and all that type of stuff? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was, like, a drama drama rat. I was definitely in the drama room a lot. <laughs> and especially during, like, my last two years um, I had this one teacher, Mr. G, and he was, like, just really dope at, like, the improv. And I, like, loved how quick he was with getting things off and, like, going different places with a, with a scene. The last year, I, we had a Mad TV-type skit that we were doing for the school. And it's, like, one of those things where you pick a theme and then you have the different scenes. They don't have to mesh or, like, they don't make sense as a story. But, like, by themselves, they're just their own stories. Mm-hmm. Half the class didn't show up on the day of, but it was people we expected not to show up. You know, like that group that just skips all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up having to take on fifteen more pages of lines, and like ended up being in every single skit, like the only person in every skit. And I was like, this is so fun. And like it wasn't hard to me at all. And I was like, this is definitely what I want to do. Like that night, mm-hmm. definitely confirmed it for me. And when is this? Uh, it's like grade 11, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. grade 11. Yeah, we just had like one night where it was just a play, mm-hmm. and that was it. Mm-hmm. And it just from the first scene, like mm-hmm. the first opening we did, I must have did something like just off the cuff that we didn't rehearse. Mm-hmm. The, rea- the reaction was just enough laughter, and I'm just like, this is sick. Like, this mm-hmm. is so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when I fell in love. So you knew your intuition, knew what you were good at, what you loved. The funny thing is, is, you know, you have some, you know, young followers. Maybe they're, you know, high school. They're maybe uh, enrolling in post-secondary or maybe they're in their latter years post-secondary and they don't know if that's for them. So tell me about the decision when you were in grade 12 and you applied for school. Did you know that inside you? Is it all pressure? That's the reason why you applied? Yeah. Yeah, it was just parental pressure, like, especially when you're, like, you have immigrant parents that just came to this country. Like, their main focus is that you have an education. Like, that, that's the reason that they came here for the most part. And so, like, you don't want to let them down. But at the same time, it's like you don't want to do something you don't love. You know what I mean? And it's it's always difficult to choose between that because you love your parents so much, but you also love yourself. Yeah. It's like you have to weigh out what the options are for you. Like, everybody's different. You can't become a doctor without going to school, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like, that's something you'd have to suck up if you want to become that. Mm -hmm. There are ways to go about everything. I'm just, I would just say just like, try to make your parents proud no matter what 
avenue you you take you know what i mean mm. like if you go if you strive for something that's not post-secondary just make sure that you know what you're doing and that you have a plan in place before you take such a huge step mm-hmm. because to try and figure it out on the way is confusing difficult scary like it's it's weird so like probably have a plan in place before you even take that next step is that what happened to you though when you went the first semester you're like this is not for me what did you do at that point actually i did not know what i was gonna do i was just like I'm gonna just go work for now and the other thing was like opportunities just kept falling into my lap like it was weird ever since I did once I did the VJ search it was just like one thing after the other so it was like I did the VJ search in 2009 um, I lost in the finals of that and 2010 was when I went back to school for the second time and I'm like okay um, I'll do something in media I know I love media I wouldn't mind being behind the cameras figure out something to do with that I rented out a camera because we were in the media program me and my board were trying to get these two girls attention on YouTube <laughs> and so we made a video they made a video uh, daring their, their viewers to put on makeup horrible and we were like okay the only way we're going to get their attention because they're so popular is by doing this video because we're going to be the only guys that do it we're putting on makeup for God's sake they have to see it like and we ended up doing it. They're the first people that commented on the video. And back then when on YouTube, when the YouTuber commented, you could see that on your homepage. So if you're a fan, you're like, oh, what did they just comment on? Why did they think this is so cool? And like just tons of girls just watching the video and like saying, make more, make more. And so I just kept on renting out the camera and like going and making videos with my boys. And it became fun for me. And I was like... This could be like this could be interesting, and it was leading to like hosting jobs and like emceeing jobs all of a sudden. And we were just like, "How is this? How is this possible?" Like at that point, I was like, "All right, I'm done with school. Like I have a good job right now. I was working at like uh, one of those telemarketing places. I was like, I can afford my rent. Everything's good right now. I can make these YouTube videos for fun and gain more notoriety." I was starting to host parties, which was bringing in money as well. So I was like, "This could this could work for a little bit." And I didn't know at the time that you can get paid for YouTube videos. So I still wasn't getting paid as a YouTuber. A year later, I got my first check for YouTube. And I'm like, okay, okay. If we found something else. Yeah, like I, I kept making the videos. I still wasn't making a good enough amount of money to not have another job. So that was stressful. I kept grinding, kept grinding. And one day I was working a dishwashing job. I must have went to the store to get something to eat. And on the way there, I took three pictures with fans or viewers or whatever. And I'm just like, what am I doing? With, like, why am I doing this job? Like, forget this. So I quit the dishwashing job that day. Uh, I went home and I'm like, all right, I'm going to make a YouTube video every single day for, the, for this month. Like, I, I sat down there, came up with mad ideas. That's how Ask McFly came to be. I was just like, okay, I'm going to grind this out. If I can make my rent, I'm doing YouTube and YouTube only. I did it. Like, I made, like, probably 20 videos that month, and I grinded out, made my rent, and I was like, okay, I could do this. I could, I could make this stable, and, and I, that's what I've been doing ever since. So take me that moment when you're a dishwasher and you're walking to get some food. What, were you getting, Manchuac or something like that? Something like that, man. I was, getting, I was actually getting Chinese food. Yeah. It was Vietnamese food, yeah. yeah. And then you, you hit this moment, and you're like, what the F am I doing right now? I'm literally walking two blocks and I take three pictures three people recognize me and I'm just like this is such a juxtaposition I'm like I'm getting taking pictures and I'm in a dishwashing 
uniform. And I'm taking pictures for being popular. Like, this isn't, it's not equating. This doesn't make sense. And so, like, I just went with my intuition. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just try the YouTube thing. Like, <laughs> if this isn't confirm it, nothing else will. You know what I mean? Was there a little bit of fear there when quitting a job and you have to pay for rent and oh, yeah. you're relying on YouTube? Like, what, what year is this? There's a little bit of fear there. This was, like, 2013, I think. There's a little bit of fear there, but it's, like, with me, I don't know. I just, once I set my mind to something or, like, I think that something's gonna go a certain way i just follow that and like it eventually works itself out with me everything is just working itself out mm-hmm. now, i don't know if you ever seen that seinfeld episode where jerry like everything evens out for him like stuff's going bad for for costanza stuff's going bad for great for elaine seinfeld is just even keel like everything that's how it works with me like everything just evens out yeah. So learning, you started to learn your, uh, to start to trust your intuition, oh, yeah. and you're yeah. like, okay, I can't go wrong with learning this. Even if I, if it's, yeah. I make a mistake, I know there's value in that. Yeah, definitely. And like, I just, I believe in like karma and like the universe and like energies and all that stuff. And like, something just drove me to say like, yo, this is gonna work. Like, don't worry about it. Like, just leave it, leave it to the universe. It's gonna work itself out, and it usually does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to talk about the engagement that you have on YouTube, on Twitter, and on your social media. Like, you will ask a question, like, tens and twenties and hundreds of people are replying to you. Like, there's probably social media companies that are trying to, like, die for those type of things. How do you make that happen? Just being myself, I think. I think, like, because I'm so, like, brutally honest, like, I don't really hold back much. People admire that because, like, it's stuff that they wouldn't say themselves. But they're okay if somebody else is saying it. I can retweet it. I don't have to say it. I can retweet it. So, like, I like to be the voice of people who don't have a voice or, like, are afraid to speak. And I just like discussions. I love what you can do with social media. Like, I feel like it's a tool to not only network and, you know, grab more attention from people, but to, like, progress yourself. You know what I mean? Like... You may think that being crazy about nagging you about, and you can write about, yo, am I being wild for thinking this and that and that? And you'll get 20 people that will humble you and be like, yeah, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden you're like, hmm. Like, now you just gained another perspective from tweeting one thing. If you could use the, the social media to, like, better yourself and better others, then I feel like that's why people will start coming back and, like, they see those discussions. They want to be a part of them. It might be even be a thing where some people are like, oh, man, I'm so happy you talk about these things on Twitter because my friends aren't about talking about stuff like this. You know what I mean? Like, they're all about the turn up or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's like it's good to have a place where you can come and talk about literally anything. Did you have to build up a courage to be unfiltered in the beginning or like you had to be yourself? I've always been that way. That's probably, it's, it's my downfall and it's a good thing. <laughs> and with that said then, is there any boundaries they may set on yourself? You're like, maybe. I, I, never, want to, I never want to hurt anybody by what I say. So if it's not hurting anyone by what I'm saying then I feel like as long as it's not hurting anyone and it's rooted in logic, those are my two rules. People are just so irrational with things they say. And like, especially if we we're talking about PC people, the most irrational. It's like there's, there's the truth and then there's being honest. <laughs> like you can, you can say things a certain way and like sugarcoat it, but you're still omitting some of the truth. And if you're not going to accept some things because it's not nice or whatever the case may be, 
then that's where me, me and somebody like that would run into a problem because like what I'm saying is directly hurting someone and it's rooted in logic, then there should be no reason you're, you're combating with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were talking about how like we're kind of the first generation that we're living our lives and growing on the internet. Like our kids are going to be able to see everything for 30 to 40, 20 years That's from now. That's the exciting part. That's the exciting part. I can't wait for my kids to see my videos. Like it's going to be hilarious. And like, that's the other thing. I always say that everyone should have a YouTube. Like everyone. Even if you're going to upload like your Snapchat stories or like a couple of things from your day or like if you had a bad day, you make a little journal of like what happened. Like these things are so dope. You're going to come back 30 years and see like the person you were. Like that's amazing to me. And like, mm. especially when I'm 80, 90 years old and I'm like, I can watch young me and be like, ah, oh, that's, <laughs> that's what I used to have it. You know what I mean? Like, It'll, it's, it's definitely something that our parents are going to wish that they had the opportunity to have something like that. Because, like, me, even me, like, I barely have any videos of me as a kid. I might have tons of pictures, but videos are very, very rare. Mm-hmm. To be able to have something like this that I can look back on is incredible to me. You can't front on your kids in the future. Like, that's, it's, that's just going to be a big switch that I don't think a lot of people take in, like, you can't tell your kids, oh, I was the best kid ever, and blah, 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 when they can see what you used to tweet, mm-hmm. what you used to post on Instagram, Snapchat. Like, it's, it's going to be crazy. Because your kid will be like, Daddy, but you said this in video 105 exactly. on July 12, 2014. And it's going it's to create a tighter bond with, with parents and kids. Like, I think a lot of people are, are going to see the difference in like 20, 30 years, the way that kids and and parents interact is going to be just a complete shift Mm -hmm. from what we're used to because like we're still i always said the world's not gonna be a better place it's it's harsh to say this but world's not gonna be a better place until these old people die we got to get rid of them (laughs) because they they're hanging on to too many things that aren't aren't with the times literally just not with times like too traditional old ways of thinking even like something like racism it's bad, yeah, but I really, really do think that in 20, 30 years, it's going to be completely different. Like, people are going to be way more accepting of, of people, and, like, it's just going to be a, a different time, a different shift in, like, mm-hmm. humanity, hopefully. That's if the earth doesn't kill us first. <laughs> I think you're right, because if you're growing up with all different races, and, and I, I heard a stat where a uh, by 2050, there's going to be more people speaking Spanish and English in America. Yep. The world, the world's getting, like, really mixed. And, like, not only that, with the internet now, you're able to learn about other cultures. You're able to experience things in, like, Thailand from your, your room, you know what I mean? And, like, in many ways... There are bad aspects to the internet, but just as many bad aspects, there are good ones. You know what I mean? It all depends on how you utilize it. Yeah, man, I, it's just gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Like fifteen, twenty years from now, it's gonna be very interesting. So there's all these lovely things about social media, and you make your living, and you you love attention, and there's a ma- like a million amazing things that benefits it has for you. But is there sometimes where you feel like me, you may have to disconnect or kind of like fall back a little bit not too long obviously or a weekend a day or two or no that's that's not I, a reality I have, my, I have my times where i'm just like if i wake up and i'm just not feeling it i'm like i'm not gonna do anything today like i'll tweet or whatever because like twitter is just like this is an extension of a lot of us now like you just 
you you see something funny on the internet, you want to tweet it out and let other people see how funny it was. Mm-hmm. So it's like Twitter is something that's probably going to be constantly used. But like even up to like two years ago, there was a moment where I wasn't using Twitter for months. Like months, I'd tweet probably three things, and it's just I just wasn't feeling it. Like Snapchat, I I probably use Snapchat more in the past three days than I have in like. A year. I don't like. I I go through phases with these things. The only things that I don't go through phases with Twitter and YouTube. Like YouTube, I'll have those days where I don't feel like filming. I just won't film. If like I don't feel inspired by anything, I won't do anything. Mm-hmm. So it's just like following my intuition all the time is what really sets me straight. Mm-hmm. You just talked about if I don't feel inspired. So what do you, where what inspires you nowadays? Mostly anything, to be completely honest. But it's like, I just have to be in that vibe. I have to be in that, that mood, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there are times where, like, your brain's just so overworked that, like, you're even sitting there just trying to think of something. It's just, like, not coming to you. It's like, I got to just put this aside. Because I notice when I put things aside, like, even ideas, if I get inspired to write a, a video idea, I'll write until, like, the ideas just stop coming. And then, like, if the ideas stop coming, I won't say, ah, I don't have enough ideas. I'm going to scrap this entire thing. Like, I'll just be like, all right, I can put this down. I'll come back, like, a week from now. And, like, there's so many things that happened over that week that, like, your brain is just in a different place. Now when you go to write and you're looking over what you already wrote, new things are coming to you. Like, no tomorrow. You're like, how wasn't I thinking this way before? Yeah, man, there's too many things that inspire me. Like, it's, it's, I couldn't put on just one thing or two things. Yeah, we're humans. We get inspired by plenty of things. Uh, so you have a definitely a pretty big uh, female following. Oh. <laughs> Their comments on YouTube and like they treat you like you're a piece of meat sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, like a piece of ox still, sir. I am. I am appalled. I am appalled. <laughs> Compared to maybe five years ago to to today, is what is the qualities that you appreciate that you look for in in a woman? She's got to be herself. Like that's like the main thing. Just be yourself. I'll I'll take it from there. <laughs> if you be yourself and you're dumb, then I know you're dumb. You know what I mean? Like just be yourself. Don't try to be me. That's the worst. To be you. Yeah. Girls that try to be you. Yeah. Like they'll meet me. All of a sudden, they speak patois. They oh yeah, I love oxtail. Like I I get it. <laughs> I get it. It's it's fine. Just be you. You know what I mean? Like. It's it's weird when you're in like a position like this because like you never know who's trying to just impress you. True. You can always gauge who's trying to make it seem like they don't know you. You can gauge who's trying to make it seem like they watch everything you do. Like you get different ends of the spectrum. And with me, it's just all about being yourself. I like a girl that's like witty. You got to be witty. You have to love music. You have to enjoy having fun, not being washed all the time, staying at home. Like, different things like that. Just be yourself. <laughs> That's the best thing I can tell someone. Do you carry yourself differently being a, you know, a public personality on social media nowadays uh, when you're dealing with opposite sex compared to maybe a few years ago? Uh, yeah, like, a few years ago on the timeline, I was reckless. Oh, my God. I would just, <laughs> I would just straight up holler at girls on the timeline. It didn't matter who was watching, reading. It didn't matter. And, like, people were like, oh, Marlon, blah, blah. And, like, it got to a point where I'm like, there are too many eyes on me. <laughs> like, if, even if I, I tweeted someone, I remember there's a time when, I, like, people are still using Facebook and writing on walls. And... <laughs> I would write things on, like, girls' walls, 
and now all of a sudden like the automatically if I wrote on a wall or like I liked a picture or something Marlon had sex with her like that would be the thing and I'm just like okay you know what I'm gonna just chill on the public stuff <laughs> I'm gonna just keep it private slide in DMs and I'll be fine <laughs> are you on apps like Tinder and all that type of no, stuff or no, no no you can't be screenshotted and post it up everywhere no no Tinder for me no <laughs> I can't be swiping and like that's just I don't know no so let's talk about music man obviously you're a fan of music you know you repost songs uh, Drake just went double platinum on views Beyonce hasn't even done that yet but there's it seems like there is kind of a mixed reviews about Drake's album like what's what's going on uh, there's too many people that are just stuck in the oh I want this Drake and I want that Drake and it's like just give it up like that's that was him for that time like it's just with every artist it, that was them for that time now they've moved on they've progressed mm-hmm. I like the album I didn't see anything wrong with it I, I didn't I don't have like a favorite Drake album I have favorite Drake songs he just he just comes out with so much music yeah. it's like it's hard for you to just be like oh yeah that project is better than anything you've done you know what I mean yeah. so with me it's just like I like the album. I didn't see anything wrong with it. Um, there are f- probably two songs on there I didn't like. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it was great for Toronto. You know what I mean? Like, views. CN Tower is double platinum right now. Like, that's crazy. And the fact that it's, it's for Toronto and, like, so heavily Toronto. If you're from Toronto, you're hating on it, which a lot of people who are from Toronto are hating on it. It's like, I don't, you can't love the city. It doesn't make sense. You can't love the city. And not respect what he's doing for the city. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy to me. And people, millions of Americans have this album, and the CN Tower is on it in people's homes, in people's phones. Like the CN Tower, our North Star, is like on people's shit. So it's like, I don't know. Western Road flows. People in America, people in Germany, are saying Western Road. If that doesn't get you amped, I don't know what will. <laughs> like, I don't get it, man. I don't. I don't get why people have a problem with it. Do you recommend to Americans now who may be coming in Toronto, like, I want to go to Western Road. Should they go to Western Road? Uh, no, no, no. You don't want to go to Western Road. That's not, that's not the place for you. Unless you like, uh, I don't know, cheap-ass stores and like <laughs> you want to get robbed or something. I don't think Western Road is a spot for you. Mm-hmm. Definitely not. And it seems like why does the internet and Twitter especially kind of like make fun of clown J. Cole and J. Cole's fans? J. Cole went platinum with no features. <laughs> What's going on? What's wrong with J. Cole? There's nothing, nothing wrong with J. Cole. I think he's an amazing artist. I think the problem is that so many blogs and um, fans, like that's their go-to. You know what I mean? Like, oh, he did, he did this. like, And it's like, okay. That's cool. Like, they, I understand he did that with no, no, whatever. But you have to understand also that the way you're counting sales is completely different. You know what I mean? Drake could do that with no features now. You know what I mean? Um, Big Sean, I'm pretty sure, could eventually do that with no features. The, the whole streaming and the digital counting of, of sales that now that's been added into the equation has changed everything. That's why Drake can go double platinum. Before, there's no way anybody was going platinum, you know what I mean? Just because of, like, Napster and LimeWire and all that shit, when that shit kicked in. Which is, I found very confusing why they didn't implement something like this seven years ago. You know what I mean? Like, streaming has been around, Spotify and shit's been around for a minute. For a hot minute. So it's like, why did it take you this long? 
you know what I mean? And like, you, you could just tell the music, music industry is tanking yeah. and they're finding different ways now. Like, yeah. it's like different safe routes. Yeah. Well, do you like, do you feel like streaming is like the way to go now? Oh. Like, just pay $9 a month and you have the history of recording music and your fingertips? Exactly. It, it just works for the time that we're in. Nobody wants to go to HMV to pick up a, a CD, you know what I mean? Or like, who has a CD player or anything like that? Like, and, and like downloading a torrent could still be work. It's yeah, like easier to do. Exactly. Streaming. It's just a lot easier to go onto your Apple music app and just press yes. <laughs> and now you have the entire thing. You listen to it right away anytime you want. So it's like, why wouldn't you do that? Plus, sometimes a lot of these streaming um, apps, they have like playlists and stuff so that you can find music that you didn't know existed. So... It all works out for the for the artists and for the listeners, for sure. And why do you dislike LeBron James so much? Because he's trash. He's trash. He's a trash human being. <laughs> the man sold his soul to Nike, first of all. That's for a billion dollars. A billion dollars. You'd sell your soul to Nike for a billion dollars. Shut up. Fuck yes, but I ain't LeBron. He did it. I hate him. <laughs> um, and just the way he acts on the court, nobody checks their blood. Nobody checks for blood on every fucking possession. If the ball goes out of bounds, he checks for blood. It doesn't make any sense. He's always touching his nose, his forehead, and he doesn't check it just once. He doesn't dab once. He checks it 47 times. Like, it's insane. And then the flopping, unnecessary. You're going to get the calls. You're the king. Like, there's no point. He's stronger than everyone. Doesn't drive to the hole all the time, which always works almost. He's constantly shooting. He knows he's not a jump shooter. He just keeps doing things that make me not like him. I don't know. And his mentality in the finals is not like Kobe or uh, even I feel like if Westbrook was in the final, like his mentality would be so like tunnel vision. So like I got we have to win. There's no giving up. Like the only time I've ever seen Kobe give up game six, Boston, and they were down 30. Like, come on. What is he going to do at that point? But, like, yeah, man, he just doesn't have that eye of the tiger for me. Like, he's a great, great basketball player, but his character is just shitty to me. Very shitty. Especially when he did, what he did with Draymond. Oh, man. Just the lowest. Like, I don't know why, but my mind went to Goku when he did that. And Goku, remember, Goku would always be like, I'm not fighting you yet. I need you to be at your strongest. And it's like, LeBron doesn't want to face you at your strongest. He wants to win as long as he can win. You know what I mean? I can't, I can't respect that. Mm-hmm. That's just not the way I was grown to, to respect the winners at all. Don't get twisted, though. A, lot of, a person that we love, Allen Iverson, he's also a huge crybaby when he was playing, too. He's a crybaby, right? but he's the smallest guy out there. He deserves it. If you've seen how many times that boy hit the mat, no flopping. At, like you, you're gonna call something, you're gonna start complaining if you're not getting calls. Mm-hmm. And with I- Iverson, it was like a lot of things were against him, where he he could feel he would complain because he could feel like they nobody was looking out for him in a way. They were mm-hmm. instilling dress codes because of him. Crossed his band, um, band his crossover. Like, it, they were getting at him because of his tattoos, his rap album, the way he talked about women. Like, there's so many things that would lead him to be like, everyone's against me, that complaining was inevitable in it for him, for sure. And he's just so sick. I don't know. I've seen he's over the pioneer of all that. Oh, God. He's like, he brought hip-hop to basketball. Like, mm-hmm. because there, before that, yeah, it was kind of 
there, like Curtis Blow type basketball, but like he made it street. Like I don't think there'd be N one if there was no Iverson. I'll put it that way. I don't think N one as a company would even exist. We wouldn't have gotten any mixtapes, hoopmixtape.com, all them shits. I don't think any of them would exist without Iverson. Like that guy just paved the way. Man had his hair braided it during a game. Like that's 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 enough for me. I'm like he's a he's a trendsetter, man. That's amazing. Yeah, man. Uh, wrapping up our interview, Marlon. So the time that we're living in right now, man. I guess what would you say to the people who are you know facing pressure from whether it be their parents and family members and society and or maybe they're in a cubicle right now listening to this podcast and they're not loving what they do. What they're doing and they're scared to take chances. What would you say to those people who are listening? I'd probably just say like there's always a way to make money doing what you love. Like you just gotta find it. If even if you're doing something you don't love now, mm-hmm. sit down and think about what you do love during that time and plan out so that you can slowly crawl out of whatever you don't love and get into what you need to be doing, which is what you love. Because like mm-hmm. there's nothing more important in this world. Like I think that's the meaning of life yeah. is finding what you love and like doing that until you die that's the meaning of life for me so it's like if you're not if you're not doing that if you're one of those people sitting in a cubicle and you don't want to be sitting in a cubicle some people like the cubicle life they like they're in love with being safe you know what I mean and I can respect that that's fine I have no problem with people being in a cubicle but if you're dreading that and it's killing you inside every day you have to leave it if you don't it's gonna it's gonna kill you (laughs) it's gonna kill you and what would you like your legacy to be, Marlon, when you look back? I, I can't say it. That's not for me to decide. <laughs> like I, for me, I just, I just want to continue doing what I love, making people happy and providing for my like, family and friends. And like, that's, that's all I really care about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll just let, like, because who knows what you, opportunities you may lead you know, into or whatever. happen, man. So it's like, whatever, like, I don't want to put something and limit myself because I don't know if, like, I can go on to do something even greater. So, like, I don't know what the what the limit is for me. So I'll just leave it open-ended. <laughs> Anything else that you'd like to say to your fans, your family, your supporters, and your lovers and your haters, too? I'm going to get real deep. Eat your oxtail. I'm not going to tell you guys again, all right? I need a daily oxtail. Daily oxtail intake. And another thing, um, I need you guys to fight in each city that you're in. For lower oxtail rates, the inflation is ridiculous right now. It's twenty dollars a pound. Niggas is dying. Niggas is dying. That's it. <laughs> I'm advocating for lower oxtail prices for sure. Are you gonna like get a brand endorsement or like a franchise oh. opportunity? Oxtail something my, like like plans, come on, man, bro. One of my plans when I'm rich is opening an oxtail only restaurant in Toronto. It's gonna happen. It's gonna be how that work? Oxtail only. Oxtail fries, oxtail everything. I don't care what it is. It's gonna be oxtail everything. I will be the. I'll have a cartoon picture of my face on the front of the store eating oxtail myself. It's that simple. (laughs) That's how it's gonna be. (laughs) Yo, thank you for your time, man. I appreciate it, my G. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Marlon Palmer, a.k.a. That Dude McFly. Each and every Wednesday is a brand new episode and podcast on the Come Up Show. So if you haven't already, please subscribe. My name is Chetto. I thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.